Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super excited for you to dive into this episode. Before we start the episode, I want to let you know that I've officially partnered with this amazing company called Play On Relief, and I've been using their products for a few months now, and I love it so much, I wanted to partner with them to let you guys in on all the amazing benefits that I get from it in my training and races, because... I frequently get asked, how do you deal with muscle soreness during long runs, during races, or even after long efforts? Of course, the more you train, the less sore you'll be. But let's face it, long runs can still hurt, especially in a race. So to help with my own soreness, I've been using this topical spray called Play On during my long runs and races, and it is a game changer for aches, pains, and muscle soreness because it zaps the soreness away in seconds and lasts a really, really long time. It's so easy to use too, and I don't have to rub it in. No mess, it's just a spray on. I can't really get enough of it for my muscles on the long runs in races and recovery and it's sweat resistant when you spray it on it goes to work in seconds because it goes beyond the skin and into the muscle and joints directly where the soreness is to reduce pain at the source and that's different than other cbd creams or icy hot that are just on the skin level and plus it's all natural fda compliant and backed by 10 years of research so it's legit I hate putting stuff in my body filled with chemicals, so that's why I like the natural mixture of Plan. And because of Plan, it helped me to battle extreme leg soreness at this year's Havelina 100 at mile 60, and it even helped my fiance with some gnarly hip pain at mile 15 of her first 50K. So I'm telling you folks, if you deal with aches and pains or you're looking to be less sore in your next ultra and on your long runs, you gotta try this out. And because I love this product so much and I want you to try it out, Plan is going to give you a special holiday discount on your next order. All you need to do is use the code EverydayUltra at checkout to get a special holiday discount of 20% off your order at the link in the show notes or go to playonrelief.com. That's going to playonrelief.com to get a 20% off your order with the code EverydayUltra at checkout and that way you can try it to be less sore, keep running strong, and play on. Thanks so much everybody. Let's get into the episode and thank you so much for being here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I am so pumped for this episode, um, mostly because um, I've been following this person for a long time, and she is super, super inspirational, but she just recently had a huge announcement, which we'll talk about in the intro here, which uh, we're going to talk a lot about on this podcast and very pertinent to the ultra running world, which is super exciting. But a little bit about our guest today. So she has raced and podiumed at Spartan Race events. She summited tons of high altitude and challenging mountains as a mountaineer athlete. She's won a half marathon, and most recently she competed in the Ironman World Championships in Kona as well. And while these athletic accomplishments are absolutely amazing, what's even more amazing is that she, first and foremost, is a U.S. veteran, and even more inspiring, she's a two-time cancer survivor. And even after the cancer, when she was told she would never run or hike again, those accomplishments I mentioned before all happened after the treatment. Like how amazing is just that? And so our guest today is super inspirational and to tack on the inspiration, she's gearing up for her first 100 miler at the famed Leadville 100 next August. So I'm excited to introduce our amazing guest today, Amanda Sujikawa. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on everything you've accomplished and uh, so stoked for you for Leadville and excited to dive in with you. What a intro. Jeez Louise. Well, thank you so much. That was, I mean, I'm like blown away just from that intro, but thanks so much for um, all of the kudos for all the things that I've accomplished. But thanks in, in addition to just having me on this podcast and giving the platform to tell my story. I really appreciate it. Oh, 100%. And yes, and the honor is all mine to have you on. Like I mentioned, even before recording, I've been following you for a while and just so inspired. And then as I was doing more research on your story, I was telling you I was in tears, just like of all of just your, not just inspiring story, but how you communicate your story and the message and your mission to help other people to, you know, get through difficult things in their life. And so um, I'd love to hear from you, like, uh, tell us a little bit about that story, right? Like that, uh, because to me, 
it's just so inspirational and literally like the first pin post on your Instagram, that caption that, or the, the title that's on there, it's saying like, you'll never run or walk again and seeing everything that you've done since is amazing. So tell us, tell us about that story and, and how you were able to overcome just such a crazy situation. Yeah. Um, so it was about three years ago now at this point. Um, but I was in the military. I was in the military for seven years and, you know, I, I was so heavy into my career at this point. And, um, there were a lot of things, challenges that came my way as far as being in the military, um, which we can talk about if we'd like, but, um, everything kind of came to a screeching halt. Um, I, saw a spot on my foot and it was something that I actually ignored for quite a while. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was on the top of my foot and, um, I, my husband, his name is Tyler. Um, I came home, we, we actually did two and a half years of long distance. Um, and before we were actually able to, to be together. And in that time frame, you know, he saw it and it was something that was concerning to him. Um, a little backstory with Tyler, Tyler's grandpa actually passed away from melanoma. Um, and he himself, is a pretty moly guy. So he goes to the dermatologist quite often. And I'm someone who I think just with my background and my childhood, I viewed being sick as being weak. And I think Mm. um, like the military definitely hammered that home a lot as well. Um, If you were sick, you were not able to, to go forth with trainings or schools. It really did hold you back. And it really kept me from, I think, taking care of myself or taking the initiative to get things checked out. Well, um, uh, when, uh, when I came back for a break, Tyler looked at my foot and said, you need to, to get this checked out. And mm-hmm. so when I went back after, um, a little bit of time at home, I went to the doctor and the doctors in the military range, right? There's great, amazing doctors in the military. And then there's also some who might just tell you what you want to hear or tell you even just the easiest answer, I would say, um, so I went into my primary care physician and he goes, oh, it's nothing. Get out of my office. Took one look at it super quick. No oh referral to a dermatologist, no concern. And at this point, it didn't, melanoma oftentimes starts looking like a mole. And at this point, it didn't look like a mole. It was, mm-hmm. um, it was very raised and it had a lot of characteristics of cancer. Um, but at the time, I, I was given the answer that I wanted to hear. I was like, perfect. It's nothing. It's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, So I went about, I guess, another year without getting it checked out, kind of knowing in the back of my head, like I I should have probably gotten a referral. And um, I went back for another break about a year later and Tyler essentially tricked me into getting it looked at by his dermatologist. Um, I went with him to get a mole removed and she looked at my foot and her eyes gleamed open and she was very concerned. She said, Amanda, you need to get this looked at like tomorrow. So, um, and it's really interesting with cancer, how fast everything happens. It feels almost like a flash of light and then everything's going a million miles an hour as soon as something is wrong. And so after that appointment, um, I did go to my own um, primary care physician, got a dermatology referral, and within like three months, I was in for surgery. Oh and yeah, the initial surgery, um, so it's just basically a tumor removal. I had actually not heard from my dermatologist for three months. And in that time frame, I had continued with military different schools and was, you know, kind of being shipped all over the place and um, going on smaller missions and trainings. And I thought nothing of it. I was like three months. I haven't heard anything. It's probably good news, right? No news is good news. Mm. Um, And I received a call while I was actually at a friend's house and it was from a weird number. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to answer it. Um, Or I'm, I'm just not going to answer it. And it went to straight to voicemail and the voicemail was left and it said, Hey, Amanda, it is Dr. XYZ. Um, You need to call me back right now. And so we got on the phone and he said, look, Amanda, I can't tell you this over the phone, but you need to come into my office. And yeah, that that feeling definitely was like, oh, okay. Um, Well, I guess I just need to go into his office. And at this point, I think there was a lot of denial on my end. You know, I got the answer initially that I wanted to hear. And at this point, I was just kind of, accepting whatever was, was in front of me. And so I went into his office and at that point he had told me that I had, at this point, we knew that I had cancer, but he wasn't sure what stage it was. 
Mm. Um, and then that is when we scheduled my big surgery, which is um, the surgery that removed the uh, top portion of my foot, removed um, skin and fat from my ankle, and then removed lymph nodes in my groin. Um, and at that point, I was stage three. Um, yeah, so it was just like a total, uh, total slap in the face, like just out of nowhere, you know, military career was really going, you know, on the up and up, I was nonstop working um, on deployment schedules, you know, and then all of a sudden, it was like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. And I have to stop training, you know, I'm told I'm never going to walk again, I'm told I can't go to all these schools, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and it just, like I said, just completely blew me off of off of my feet. And, um, at that point, I just, I honestly, I can't even describe to you what the feeling was with great detail, because I think a lot of it was just that I was in denial, Mm. um, even being told, um, that I would never walk again. And I got my initial, I was in the hospital for a while and I got my initial stage three diagnosis by a doctor, by my general surgeon, actually, actually. And he sat me down and my husband was there as well. And he said, Amanda, this is what you have. You have stage three melanoma, and this is going to lead to your demise. Gosh, that is yeah. crazy. Yeah, so great bedside manner, as you could uh, imagine. But at that point, I once again, I think there's just, uh, I was just in denial. And when you're told something like you're going to die from this, I think a lot of people might have a a very strong reaction to it. And my reaction was essentially no reaction. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a while to kind of understand why maybe my brain went that way. Um, But that's just the way that my brain coped with that information. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, my life changes today. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I honestly, it is a sad story. And there's a lot of sadness that comes with cancer. And it's one of the most detrimental things to so many families, to so many individuals, to so many people. Yet, in my opinion, my cancer was such a blessing in my life. And it sounds crazy to say this, but it's changed my life in so many positive ways and has really transformed the way that I think about my every single day. And it's something that I'll never, I mean, I'll just have eternal gratitude for the opportunity to really take each day in stride um, and be so extremely grateful for all the things that we are able to have in our in our everyday life. Oh, my gosh. Well, you are incredible. Like it, and I think it's people hear that kind of story. And I'm sure you get it all the time. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry for you and everything like that. But you turn around and say, and even you even put this on your, I was doing research. Like you say that cancer saved your life, which is like, that is so powerful. And to hear you on here saying, I'm so grateful for that experience. That is amazing because it's easy for anyone to go through not just cancer, but even anything else and say like, Oh, like why is life, you know, trying to get it out for me and kind of play that kind of certain mindset. But you, you have that like lesson of gratitude. Like how is that? Like, what are some like, kind of go deeper on that. Like what are some like overarching lessons that you took like from that, that have helped you? I mean, not just in the endurance challenges that you've done, but just in life in general that you want to help people to, you know, take into their own lives to, you know, go over whatever they're going through, whether it is cancer, you know, a injury, a certain diagnosis, like what are some of those lessons that have just been super pivotal for you? Yeah. I mean, I think even just the way that I describe cancer saved my life, what I mean is, is my life of truly living. And Mm -hmm. I think there's this huge difference between existing in life and living life. And we can all walk and talk and breathe and shake each other's hands and operate as if we're living. But I think there's such a difference between the people who are truthfully walking and living and challenging themselves and chasing their dreams and saying, that I'm not going to let fear get in the way. And um, people who live passionately and vibrantly and authentically, like that is living. And that's something that I really reflected a lot on in, in my journey. So I actually went through 16 months of chemo and I went through chemo and my recovery from my surgery all during lockdown. And in Washington state, I was living in Washington state at the time and we were, were way more locked down than a lot of states. So that And that isolation period was just so long. And that time really gave me a really great chunk of time to be reflective and understand what living meant to me. And uh, I think not many people get the opportunity to really sit back and be like, what 
what is life? Like, what mm. does life mean? Um, what does love mean? What does support mean? What does family mean? What does friendship mean? And I was able to do all of that. And that like truthfully was something that was uh, very transformational in my life. And practicing gratitude, something that I just dove so deep into was, like I said, taking every single day in stride. And I would start each day. I, I created this practice while I was going through chemo that I've carried into this um, this chapter in my life as well. Um, but starting each day with gratitude. And when you are really specific about being grateful for things in your life and you write it down and you take note of it and you are thankful and you have actual deep gratitude for those things, those things tend to start to show up a little bit more in your life and you at least notice mm -hmm. them more. So I, I always tell anyone, everyone, like when you are going through something really difficult, it may be a sign for you to just even dive a little bit deeper into gratitude. And it's neurologically, we actually cannot have gratitude exist at the same time in our brain as negativity. And it's something I tell everyone, I think it's like such a fascinating concept because we cannot be in a negative mindset, be angry, be sad, be upset and be gra actually gratu uh, uh, have gratitude for things at the same time in our brain, which is so cool. So that was one thing I just did in, in order to rewire some of the, the, I guess, the narratives that I had in my brain. And it's just, it really has helped so much in my life. Um, so I always tell everyone to just go back to gratitude. It's, uh, it's so, so very powerful. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. And I love how you talk about like the gratitude and negativity can't live in our brains at the same time. It just doesn't happen. I've seen that in studies yeah. too, which is like incredible. And I think it takes so much just strength to be grateful at that time. And even to like go through everything you went through, period, is is so tough. But in a time of lockdown, I mean, people like know like just how crazy the hospital situation was with visits and all that kind of stuff as well. And then there's already chaos going in there as well. So the, the fact that you went out of this with a state of gratitude is like truly, truly beautiful. And I'd love to hear like how this kind of translates to races, but kind of like to double tap on the story a little bit more, right? What got you so inspired to like, even though you got the, the you know, the mention, like, you know, not only you're not going to walk again, but this is going to lead to your demise, but you were like, no, I'm going to go out and do these races. I'm going to, you know, not only just do the Spartan races, like you were out podium them and, and you know, <laughs> on the podium for these races. So it's not even like you were just doing them. Like you were going out and winning them. Like what inspired you or what kind of gave you that drive to be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to take that as, you know, reality and I'm going to pave that path. Like, what was that switch for you? Yeah, I think it, it all started, honestly, in my recovery coming out of my surgery. So my surgery, after my surgery, I was non-weight bearing for six months. So I was on crutches for six months, not able to walk on my foot. And at that time, that's when I was being told I would never run or hike again and or even really walk with comfort again. And as soon as I was cleared to be able to get out of my boot, I started walking on like the curved treadmill with a sock. Um, I started really challenging my my body to do maybe even one one hundredth of what it was doing before. And I think it's really powerful to be just take things in stride, but also know that consistency always pays off. And mm. instead of going super hard one day and then, you know, maybe not being consistent about it at all for the next 10 days, being consistent in little chunks for, for 10 days, even at a time really leads to really grandiose um, results. So I, I took that as just my, my depth of knowledge of, of how fitness works in general. And I applied that to my recovery. Um, so as soon as I was able to put a shoe on comfortably, which took like, I would say maybe two months after I was able to be in out of my boot, um, I started slowly incorporating some strides or some hiking in a boot or a shoe. Um, and I slowly started working up. But I, I noticed that the more time that I spent kind of pushing that limit of like, I'm super uncomfortable, but I'm just doing this. And I know that I can do this. I know it will all pay off and all this pain and all this agony and discomfort is all going to pay off. The more I kept pushing the envelope a little bit more each time, the more I realized how powerful my body was, but also how powerful my mind was. And I almost convinced myself at this time that if I could do a race or if I could do a mountain or if I could summit Mount Rainier while going through chemo, then I can beat cancer. Oh and, my gosh. um, 
that was just kind of the the takeaway from it was I, I went so hard. I think a lot of people also go through when they go through challenging things, they also seek challenging um, things that they do for hobbies um, because I think there's solace in that. It's reminding yourself how capable you are. It's reminding yourself that you can do hard things over and over and over. And I took that to the extreme for sure um, because of the thing that I was facing was so challenging and was, uh, you know, was risking everything that was I knew to be my life um so that's kind of what what got me into racing was just that step by step and I also wanted to prove to myself that I was able to do the things that I was able to do beforehand but 10x and more more intense um with more vigor with more passion and I actually found that I was stronger in my results and stronger in my training post cancer post recovery because I had such such a strong why I was doing the things I was doing and the stronger my why the stronger my passion the stronger my performance oh my gosh I got chills like probably like 10 (laughs) times when you were given that like that was just like so many good things from that like I and like especially the part where you were talking about the two things of number one being consistent and like each day, those small wins, like even though they were kind of small, like you were building onto that and the way that you were talking about eventually building that belief even more, not just physically, but mentally um, led to the point where you're like, I can beat cancer. And then not even just, can I go back to where I was before, but can I go back even better? Like 10 X, like that is amazing. And like, you have come back strong and I, I love that as well. And, and so like, talk to me because you mentioned the why there. And I, I also, I definitely want to still like talk about like Leadville and kind of like your journey after that. But I think it's just so important that you brought up the why, like when you think about like your why and like, how did you like get super clear on that? Because I think like we hear it a lot, right? Like what's your why? Like, you know, it's almost cliche nowadays, but it's, it's cliche because it's powerful and true. But I, I get a lot of questions from listeners a lot. They're like, um, and I'm sure you get this too. Is like, what, what is my purpose? Like, what is my why? Like, um, and so for you, how did you get super clear on like your purpose and you know, what you do and, you know, not just endurance, but to create, that life where you're actually living, like you mentioned before? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it took just that isolation and that introspection Mm -hmm. and a lot of us spent time in the mountains. And that was really what created this clarity for me was being alone, being in solitude and, and giving myself the space to really just think and, and maybe think about things a little bit too much, but to really ask myself the questions that I, I needed to ask. And at this point, I think, um, no questions were off of the table because I think a lot of us don't ask ourselves important questions because we're too scared of the answer. And Mm. the answer, the worst answer possible was an answer that I was already given. So at that point there was nothing to lose. Um, So a lot of, I mean, a lot of the introspection that I did had to do with, with with family, with love, with um, what I was going to accept in my life, what I wasn't going to accept in my life and how I operated in in the world. And I found myself really going to my platform or going to Instagram as a place to share. And at first I was really nervous to share my story because I didn't want anyone to feel bad for me. And I have never been someone who has found comfort in that. I am the exact opposite. I would rather slap on a smile, never show you how I really feel about something, never cry in front of you. Like that's just not how I operate. And I've always been someone who has, I guess, just smiled my way through things. So to show myself, be vulnerable and not necessarily break, um, break down emotionally, but show what my body was going through. Um, I think the more response that I got of like, Hey, please keep sharing this because it's helping. And Mm -hmm. every individual person that reached out to me and told me to keep going is the reason why I'm still posting today. And it's the reason why I have a purpose and, why I feel like I, I believe in God, um, but why I feel like God gave me this, this gift of like, this is how you are going to make an impact. This is how you are going to change lives. I know that you can take this experience and find the positive in it. And I know you will conquer this, but you will also help save lives along the way and help other people. And there's a quote that says, um, God doesn't get, or God gives his toughest storms to its strongest warriors. And for me, like, I never once thought that I would never, never at least make it through with a positive, without a positive mindset. And even at the end of the day, like, if my life went tomorrow, I I wouldn't necessarily feel as though I didn't beat cancer. Because mentally, 
I I have. And I, like I said, my my mission, my platform, or my mission and my purpose came from sharing on my platform. And I actually just, um, re- I just connected with a gal who, while she was going through chemo, she reached out to me saying that her oncologist said that she was going to pass away in a month and that she was not allowed to work out. And um, she'd asked me, she said, hey, I really love working out. It's always been my place of, of solace and my mental health is struggling and I really just think I need to do it. And I, I messaged her back and I actually forgot about this message until recently, but I messaged her back and said, if you feel like this is good for your mental health, do what is right for you. Like your body knows, your mind knows what you're capable of, do what you need to do. And she sent me a message a year later, which means that she surpassed by a long shot what her doctors had said. And she said that she was opening a gym in PA and that she had worked out through her entire chemo. And that I was a huge part of, of why her life is still here. And, oh my gosh, I could cry even just thinking about that. I'm but, tearing up too. I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Her gym is in PA, Reading PA, Warehouse Strength. Big shout out to Brittany. But um, I just, all of these little messages that I would receive were such great, amazing stories. And um, I think just that, just that just encouraged me even more to serve my purpose and showed me how important it is to share my story if it has this amazing impact on even just one life that's worth it, right? It's a, uh, um, and I just don't think that I would have been served this platter if it wasn't for a purpose and not just one cancer, but two cancers. And I, yeah, it's just, I don't think that I would have been served this if it wasn't to make an impact. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, like you almost had me crying on here again, like, because like (laughs) that story is unbelievable and it's incredible. And like, like, it's so like just powerful to see that this person getting the worst news they've ever gotten in their life and the worst news that anyone could possibly could ever get reaches out to you, asks for advice and you share this from a place like not just like because like you have like the answer it but you've been through it like you know what i mean like you've been through that and i think that's like such a gift and kind of relates to what you were talking about in the past like you connect with other people who are going through it because when people are going through those things i i know it can seem like you know you're the only one or anything like that but then once you see other people not only have gone through it but have overcome it like they reach out and so to see that she reach out to you and that she's like a year later like not only still here but opening up a like that is incredible like you are changing the world through what you're doing which is incredible oh thank you yeah i definitely feel like i have a little imposter syndrome with that because i'm like who me <laughs> but um i mean honestly it just it means a lot to me just to be able to have even just uh, one like i said one person um be able to have that experience and it, it, ju- it just shows that i think it's really important to let other people know that they're like you said that they're not alone and especially people who are younger right aya cancer mm-hmm. survivors and patients oftentimes feel alone um i think cancer is something that is more so related to people who are older, right? Um, when we think of cancer, we think of someone in their later years. And where that misconception is is harmful to young people is they feel more isolated. They feel um, they feel like they don't have, I guess, the toolbox that they need in order to, to get through this. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's kind of where, once again, my purpose just lines up perfectly with, with my mission of just being able to to let people know that they're not alone um, and that they're capable of doing amazing things. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. And especially like impacting people at such a young age too, like where like it can be so transformative in those early years. And like, it's always just like crazy how, you know, it, it can impact someone's life so young. And so you coming in and, and being that, that inspiration, not just inspiration, but resource for hope. Right. I think like, that's like so powerful to see in everything that you're doing. And I mean, it just shows that, you know, I think you fall perfectly under what you said before of living. Like you're not just like, you know, like, of course, like you went through uh, the cancer and beat it and everything, but like you are just living and I can tell like you're fulfilled by everything you're doing. And it just, you're the inspiration to show a lot of people that there is a life after this. Like once you get through it and beat that, which is incredible. And so um, the thing that I've also always appreciated about you too, is like, you are very multifaceted. So it's like, like not only did you do like Spartan racing, but you know, you also did the mountaineering stuff and then Ironman and like now like a hundred miles, like, which is so cool. What like inspires you to do that? Is it, is it kind of the similar thing where it's like, you want to just try everything and kind of live everything out? Or is it more like, 
I just want to explore because I think like now we're almost in, I mean, it's almost like kind of harped on in the endurance community, like be a specialist or like, you know, pick a sport and like, that's the kind of thing you do. But like, you're not only like doing different sports, you're like great at all of them. I mean, which is like so cool. And I think that comes with like a lot of dedication and learning. And so I guess talk to me about like what interests you about like being so multifaceted and I'll actually save the follow-up question for, for after too, but like what, what inspires you to be so multifaceted and not be locked into kind of one specific sport? I think it's really funny that you say that because when I started in the triathlon community, which I was brand new to this year, um, I, someone had told me why about a triathlon it's, uh, why not, why be mediocre at one sport when you could be mediocre at three sports? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, wow, like, that's so true. Um, Because I was brand new to swimming and brand new to cycling before my Ironman. Um, But I think in general, like, I've always been someone who's been really interested in multiple different things. And I didn't want to do Ironman. Someone basically got into my brain. And um, it's what kind of led me to going into the Ironman Mm. direction and going into triathlon. Um, however, I've always been someone who's always curious about what, what, like, could I be good at this? Is something, is that something that I could do? Um, and I'm not afraid also to go all in to everything that I try. Um, I just actually bought a bow. So I started doing archery and I'm like, I'm shooting every single day, multiple times a day. And that's just how I am. When I get set on something, I'm like obsessed really quick. And, um, it's just always been my personality. So and I also, I understand like, especially with endurance sports and, um, and even like, I grew up playing boys baseball actually. And I was a pitcher and I understand that a lot of things are just based on repetitions and just the more mm-hmm. that you practice something, the more it's going to pay off in the long run. So, and then once again, going back to that consistency, um, as well of being consistent with things, you know, a lot of us try something and, and for example, for me, when I first tried snowboarding, I was horrible, like when I say horrible, I mean, I didn't think that I would ever want to get back on the board. Um, but I went at my first time and I, I was so bad that I got mad that I was bad that I started going every day by myself. So I was like, I'm going to get good at this before anyone else tells me that I'm terrible at it. Um, and, and that's just how I am. It's how I operate. Um, but I, I appreciate you saying that I'm great at all things. I think I'm more on like the mediocre side of things, but, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, I love that. And it, it speaks volumes to, you know, how you're able to dive into this. Cause it sounds like you're passionate, not just for like learning new things, but also like committed to like learning the craft and like, okay with like being bad, maybe like not okay with being bad too. And someone said motivate you to get out there. But I love that, like all in kind of mindset of like, okay, what am I going to do to dive in, to learn, to practice, to do the things every day, to make it consistent. Like you said, with the snowboarding, you were out there practicing as much as you could, which is amazing. Like, do you also like just dive into just kind of like the how to's or like, like, how do you just gather the information or is it more just like, let me just kind of go out there and figure it out. Is it like a mix of both? Cause I think like a lot of the times people don't dive into things cause they're like kind of unsure or like, how do I train for this thing? Or, Oh, there's so much information. Like, so how do you, how do you kind of approach it? And like, maybe even we can relate it to Leadville, right? Like going into first a hundred miler, like, which is super cool. So I guess like talking into the the reins of Leadville, like how do you kind of like do that process of, of getting out there, but also educating yourself if you do, or is it more to trial by error? Like talk to me a little bit about approaching, approaching that uh, angle. Yeah. So for, I guess for Leadville, um, I do have a coach, so I'm, I'm working with an ultra coach. Um, but I'm also definitely diving in with my community as well to get any sort of gems that I could possibly get in order to help me along the way. But I also understand, especially with endurance sports, that a lot is mental, right? So like you said, like being able to prepare yourself mentally for something is just as important as being able to prepare yourself physically, um, especially with longer distances. I have been in the mountains for longer than ultra distances, mm-hmm. but I or longer than marathon distances, but I've actually never run an ultra. So this will mm-hmm. be kind of my first year in ultras. Um, but I've done, you know, mountain summits and, and glaciated terrain and over 24 hour climbs. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that I knew that I was mentally prepared, right? Especially Mm -hmm. in the Alpine, all of, I mean, mountaineering is very special, right? Because there's so many different 
different uh, things that you need to take into account, everything from weather to having maps and having the right gear and X, Y, Z. Um, a lot of that, I did a lot of that country uh, mountain climbing. So high alpine climbing um, where there was no trails. So a lot of it was planning for, for that and terrain, et cetera, um, like zooming into satellite imagery. And I get really nerdy with things. So I will say like, I do a pretty good job of, preparing myself mentally because I'm a little bit of a nerd um, and, and that's okay. Um, I think that's actually what has, has led to a lot of success about th uh, with things. And I think a lot of that actually stems back from, from being a pitcher and um, mm. playing boys baseball for all of my childhood, because a lot of the things that I did was mechanically because I was small and, you know, I'm five, two, I'm, I definitely have a lot more muscle than a lot of endurance athletes, I would say, um, because I love to lift. It's the basis of a lot of my training. However, um, like with, with baseball, I, I was always undersized, like severely undersized. Um, so everything was, how can I tune into these like small mechanics, practice them, videotape me, like videotape, like big old camcorder, it might be aging me. Um, but how can I get these mechanics right in order to make these small changes pay off in the long run. So that's kind of, I've applied that in everything else that I've done of like these small intricate changes that we can just make consistently and how that's going to pay off in the long run is something that I get really nerdy with. Um, but then also practicing, of course, is, is super important in preparing. Yeah. And that's so awesome. And I love how you, even though all the different disciplines you talk about, right, like baseball growing up and then mountaineering, and then I'm sure it was the same with triathlon and stuff like that. It's like the, the information or the application might be different, right? It's like you're on the bike versus like summoning a mountain and getting on crampons. Right. But like the principles of like learning those things and diving into it. And like you said, like you, you do something, you've, find like what you did maybe wrong, what you can improve on, iterate it. And then boom, you kind of get out there, pair with the consistency. But you said, I think the thing that was just so important is that like the mental stuff translates across it all, which is so, mm -hmm. so for you, like when you think about like the mental game and like when things get tough, right. Whether you're, you know, summoning a mountain and it's just like brutally cold and the air is thin or like you're in the Ironman, you're on like that, that marathon after the like 112 mile bike, you know, in Hawaii, like, how do you like position your mind to help you to keep going or what goes through your mind or how, like, what is like the mental game for you? And, and I'm sure it plays into a role in your story and everything, but like, t tell me a little bit about like the mental game and how you deploy that. Yeah, I think there's this quote, I think, I don't even know who said it or even if it is a, someone's quote specifically, but it's, um, pain is temporary, but quitting is forever. Um, mm. and that lives, that's a mantra in my, in my mind all of the time. Um, it's pain is so temporary and we experience pain in so many different ways in our life. And I've definitely experienced pain, you know, for a very long time. And the pain that I'm choosing to do today is something that I'm choosing to do. All the sports that I do, all the pain, um, that I endure is a choice because I want to, and because I like to do these things. Um, and so I think my mindset, when I get into the pain cave, um, in the different sports that I chase, I remind myself of that. This is a choice. Mm. I am blessed to be able to have the opportunity to do this. Like I would never, you know, most people would never have dreamed to be in the position that I'm in going through all the things that I've gone through. Like I need to just keep going. And it just, once again, kind of going back to the, the gratitude aspect. And there's definitely been times where I don't immediately go to gratitude. I'm like, oh my gosh, of course <laughs> your brain goes in a million different directions. I get quiet. If you're on the mountain with me and I'm, and I'm quiet, you know, I'm in pain. I'm not someone who's uh, outwardly complaining, that's for sure. But I will say, I, I, do, I do find myself always going back to gratitude, always going back to I've been through significantly worse. This is nothing in comparison. Mm. I'm choosing to do this. I have a blessing of being able to do this, the opportunity to do this. My body's healthy for me to do this. How incredible is that? And, and just kind of going back every single time of, of reminding myself of that, of I'm choosing to do this. Mm, so good. So good. And I think it's like one of those things where, you know, you, you bring back times in your life, like you, especially with, with cancer and everything like that. Like those are things that we don't unfortunately choose. And it's just, you know, kind of the things that, that, you know, 
just pop up in our life that are just so unfortunate, but like being out there, like on the bike or on the mountain, it's like, these are things that we choose. And it's almost like, oh yeah, like this is, this is why we signed up for this is like, mm-hmm. this is pain that we <laughs> want. We want to experience it. Cause like to you, you see it as that level up experience that you were kind of talking about earlier. So I love that you remind yourself on that. Cause I, I've been there before, like so many times, like in the middle of an ultra where you're just like, oh man, like this sucks. But you're like, wait a second, I signed up for this. I paid money for this. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in here to do it, dang it. So uh, I love that you have that as a recurring thing for you. And then also that mantra of, you know, uh, quitting is forever because yeah, but the pain is is temporary, whether it's a hundred miles or, you know, a few miles of the mountains over a few days. Um, I think that's just truly incredible. And when you think about like, like why Leadville in particularly like inspires you or like it gets you so stoked, right? Like a hundred mile trail run, which is awesome. One of the most famous of all time. Um, you're no stranger to the mountains as you were kind of mentioning before. So it's kind of cool to see you get into your element out there too. But like that a hundred mile distance, like what gets you stoked about that? And also like, you know, what, what's going to kind of be the mission for you as you, you know, go for this lead, like fame Leadville hundred race. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something really special about a three digit race and, um, Mm -hmm. just someone who's never touched an ultra before. Right. I think, um, I did do Ironmans, but that's, that's three digits in different sports and, um, (laughs) it is much different, significantly different. Um, but I think for me, like just challenging myself, I think I do have a 50 lined up, uh, as a training run. Um, but I know I can do a 50, like, I already know I can do a 50, like a hundred percent. I'm certain I am a hundred percent certain that by the time Leadville comes around, I will be able to do it. I'm a hundred percent certain, but I think it's still a little, it's in that unknown of Mm -hmm. like anything past 50, right. Is, is there's so many different battles that we have to face. And I think, you know, I definitely have enough time in preparation and I have the tool set up in the toolbox. Um, but it's, it is a scary number. And I think that's why I want to chase it. It's because it, it does scare me. It freaks me out. I think 50 doesn't scare me. Um, a hundred scares me. And I think I, and maybe, maybe it's not super duper healthy, but I think all of us endurance athletes have a little bit of like crazy in us. Um, but, but I think being able to be scared by something is something that I'm chasing. And I actually, when I was in the military, I jumped out of airplanes for a living. There's a lot of things I'm definitely not scared of. Um, but the hundred is definitely something that I'm scared of. So well, um, I, I definitely want to take all the tools that I've learned from different sports and apply them um, in the mountains. And I love the mountains. It's just truthfully where I, I find my peace and my solace. Um, but I'm ready to find pain and uncomfortable, uncomfortability and challenge and, uh, and find that unknown and touch that. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And I actually was on a uh, call with a friend yesterday and she's like, crazy that you're literally choosing corporal punishment style um events as something that you want to do (laughs) yeah it's uh it's just I guess who I am as a person but yeah I'm I'm so excited to be able to have the opportunity to race at Leadville but even just beyond that I I have the opportunity to race at level 100 with first ascents and first ascents Mm. is so um, unbelievably in line with my mission and my purpose and um I'm so lucky to be able to race with them. And they're an AYA cancer awareness um, organization. They provide um, experiences in the outdoors, everything from paddling to climbing, to hiking, um, to rock climbing, um, experiences for patients um, who are going through cancer, but also survivors free of cost. And the same thing that provided me so much strength and solace while I was going through my chemo, which was hiking in the mountains, they're providing um, in an, a community, uh, in a community environment, um, for patients and, and survivors. So I'm just, I'm so, so blessed to be able to have the opportunity to race for them. And that just, once again, leads to such a stronger why for me, um, as to why I'm going to finish this race, but also why I'm training for the race. Oh, so good. And I love that you are racing with that organization, which is so cool. Cause it's so aligned with like your, why your mission, your story, and to do like the thing that obviously scares you, which is so cool to see. Like, I love that, like chase you chase, like what scares you and what's, you know, this big kind of goal, right? Cause you know, if you're kind of going for a goal that you're like, eh, it doesn't really scare me, but we're just kind of going just to, to do it. 
it, to your point, it's just not as fulfilling. Like there's just something about that fear that just makes that goal just so much better once we get it to, and, uh, to, to pair that with doing it with the organization that, you know, you're supporting along the way is incredible, which by the way, anyone listening, uh, I'll put the donation link in the uh, show notes. So, uh, Amanda's raising money for, uh, the organization she's running with as well. So please check it out in the show notes. I put the link there. Um, definitely support the cause. It is incredible. Um, I did some research on the organization. I even donated myself too. So super excited to, uh, to, to see that as well, which is awesome. Um, I'm curious for you too. Like, you know, you mentioned you're working with a coach, which is super cool. Do you know what your training's kind of going to look like? You mentioned 50 miler kind of along the way, like how, how do you know, like, are kind of figured out the pieces or is it still kind of in flux with the coach? Is it more like week by week, but like, what is your training going to look like? And I always love this question asking, cause I remember when I did like my first hundred miler, um, I like wish, of course, like you want to learn from the people who've done it, but I think it's always curious to like hear from other people who are like going through that journey at that point in their time. You know what I mean? So, um, what does that look like for you? Like, what does your training kind of have on doc? Like, I'd love to hear if you have any kind of plans for that. Yeah. Um, my training, but maybe not super conventional because I'm, I'm actually going to be racing a couple different events while training for Leadville. Mm. Um, so I'm actually going to be doing St. George 70.3, uh, because oh, I do nice. have to get back on the Ironman train <laughs> as well. Um, but I'm also, I am doing the 50, so I'm doing Antelope Canyon, um, oh, nice. which is in March. And then I'll probably do one more 50 before, um, Leadville as well. Maybe, um, early summer haven't selected a, a race. So if you have any that you suggest, let me know. Um, but I will also be doing other events like High Rocks. Um, I'm doing High Rocks Miami, which oh, is a cool. like a lifting kind of circuit training event. Um, and I'm actually, I, it's really amazing, but I'm actually having the opportunity to, to partner with Spartan um, this next year. So um, we're working right now on the logistics, but um, hopefully we will also be putting on a event for AYA Cancer Awareness Week which I'm trying to make AYA Cancer Awareness Month because I don't think it's fair that we only get one week. I agree. Um, but in, and it always is flexing, right? The date of, of the week is always different. So I'm just like, why don't we just celebrate it all April and, and raise awareness all April? So I will be working with Spartan in that way as well. So I will still be racing Spartans, which is trail and OCR. So um, all the obstacles involved as well, I think makes me such a stronger runner in general, because you're having to increase the heart rate to go through the, the strength training movements, climbing over, you know, climbing on ropes, climbing over walls, um, and challenging that focus when you're tired is really important to me as well. Um, so lots of different facets of how I'm going to be training. One thing that I was really surprised with my coach, I guess, um, was just the, I guess I was more so worried about like having to maybe work up to multiple hundred mile weeks, like in a row for mm -hmm. like six months and his approach. And I actually, I'm still working with my triathlon coaching company, which is NVDM coaching, but I'm under the ultra umbrella now. Um, and of course I'm open to all suggestions um, because as a newbie, I think it's really important to get multiple different perspectives. Um, but just that that's not super necessary. Um, mm. that's what I was told of. It's not super necessary to just hammer for, for seven months, um, leading up. And that's something that I love to hear. And I think, uh, I think being able to keep my, my strength training in as well is really important and keep, keeping that as long as possible in, in Ironman, it was really difficult for me to maintain my strength training throughout, um, the 10, 11 months of training because I was doing through other sports in the meantime. Um, and that was so, it was so time consuming. Mm -hmm. So I love the ability to be able to keep that in and the importance of, of strength training my legs specifically to be able to handle mountain conditions and, um, be able to kind of relinquish some of the, uh, the mental stress, the cardiovascular stress, and just be able to put on your legs. I think, especially in the mountains is really important as well. So good. I love so many things about that. First, I like that you're doing all the different things, like, because they're things that bring you joy. They're things that, you know, you love. And, you know, I think sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure like you've probably gotten people saying the same things, like when you are training for a race, like they're like, Oh, like, you know, you might, you probably shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z because it's not like specific, but to your point, number one, you love it, which is like, that's like mentally beneficial. And two, like you're hundred percent right. It translates well, right? Like being in the Spartan course, doing these faster efforts, like getting the strength up, like all that translates well, that fitness to fitness. And so I love how you're taking that, like, approach of, yeah, I'm training for Leadville, but I'm also doing these other stuff I'm excited about. Like, I'm not going to like let 
this one goal, like meaning that I can't do the other stuff, which goes back to earlier when I talk about like, you know, when you were talking about like doing all the things, like it's so cool to see you bring that even into your training for a new race, which is great. And I also love that you brought up the point of like, yeah, the hundred mile weeks aren't necessary because it's so true. It's so true. Like, and I think, you know, we've been like conditioned like by Strava of like seeing, you know, a bunch of athletes out there chucking up like a hundred mile weeks. And yes, I, I've done it before, but like, there is no necessary need to do these like crazy long weeks. And I even quite frankly think like people do way too much. Like I think people mm -hmm. do too much cause they think they need that. But really like, um, the interesting thing like that, uh, just shocked me. I'm training for a 250 mile race, which is like, that's the thing that scares the crap out of me. But I was looking at that and like the, um, the athletes who had won these races, like over the past year, they weren't running any more than like 75 to 80 miles, like a week in their peak weeks, which is just crazy right so it's like crazy so um yeah. i think it's so awesome and it sounds like you have a good coach like who's who's definitely um you know uh got good advice going on but i like that you brought that up because i think it's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make in ultra running is like they just i gotta get 100 miles a week and then they're fried and they show up to the race and they're like why am i so beat and it's yeah because i think I think it did a little too much yeah i love that you bring out strava i actually had a conversation with a friend yesterday about the pressures of Strava. I don't use Strava. I, I used it for maybe like a month when I was doing all my mountain stuff, but I don't use it anymore. And I have um, like a personal I, opinion about it. Just, I, I like to be able to do things because it may, brings me joy and it, because it adds to my journey and, and my training and my performance. But as soon as I start allowing the influence of other people's numbers and their pieces mm -hmm. and their heart rates and all these things, it, it brings me away from my why, from my training, from my performance. So I don't use it. I actually, um, maybe I'm in the minority there, but I definitely, I don't, don't use it. <laughs> yeah. And I respect that fully. I think that's amazing because, um, I think it can be an easy thing. And like, you know, where you have like a run and it doesn't feel like great. And you're like, Oh, this is going on Strava. Like, or maybe you push it a little too harder when you shouldn't just like get that like nice pace number on there. So I respect it. And I think, it's so genuine when someone just like runs to run, you know, I think it's amazing that you're doing that because it just shows that you're connected to, you know, your why, like that's, that's why you run and it doesn't matter like where it gets posted up on anything. And I think that's just absolutely incredible. And, um, Thank you. Yeah. And, and to, to round out the conversation here with like Leadville coming up and everything like that too, you know, I, we're heading into 2024, which I think is just such an exciting time. Like you announced your big goal for 2024. Um, for those people who are listening right now, who are kind of like, you know, trying to think about their goals for next year, obviously you mentioned like set goals that scare you and everything like that, but maybe for the person who, you know, kind of has maybe some limiting thoughts, right? Like I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. And I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. And like, you know, you went through a situation where people were saying, Hey, you can never run or kind of walk again. And so what would your biggest piece of advice to, for those people who, you know, maybe are looking to set a goal next year, but kind of had this hesitating voice in the mind that's, you know, telling them otherwise, like, I'd love to hear that from you. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is just understand maybe why you're thinking about the goal and mm. and coming to the conclusion of like, are you excited about this goal or is it because you want to have an influence on other people or because they want you to do this goal or you feel pressure? Um, for me, it's really important to pick goals that have a deep connective meaning as to why I'm doing this goal, right? It's it, I know that I, my performance is based on the way that I'm passionate about something. If I'm not passionate mm. about something, my performance is not is not going to be great. Um, so the first thing is just why do you want to accomplish this goal? Is this goal important to you or is this goal important to make you look however you want to look on your platform or to other people to make you look really cool? And that's okay if that's the reason why, but you have to actually understand why it is that you want to accomplish this goal. Secondly, it would be why are you like, what are the limits and why do you have these limits? Are these limits actual? Are they physical? Are these things movable, shakeable? Are they something that can uh, be diluted over time? Um, and really just get really technical about it. And I, I'm someone who uses a journal um, because mm -hmm. I, I'm just a little bit more type A, but if there's if there's actual reasons that I need to list as to why I can't accomplish something or what my limits are, I list them out. And then I actually break those down individually. Why is it that this is on my list? And how can I accomplish maybe something that will make this either easier and or remove it? Um, 
And my mantra for all of my journeys has been unbreakable. And at the end of the day, we are all unbreakable. And unbreakable doesn't mean that you don't have injuries, that you're not sick, that you don't have challenges. It means that your mindset is going to allow you to get to each and every single individual summit. And I think if you have a strong why, and I think if you have the right toolbox in in your toolkit, and you're actually coming to a deep understanding as to how you're going to get to the finish line, um, and all of the tools and the intricacies of why you're going to be able to push these limits, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. Oh, unbreakable. I love that. That's so, so good. And I love that you talk about the journaling process because, you know, they're like, when it comes to like the mindset stuff and like our minds, right? Like you're literally like taking that, those thoughts that are coming in and literally like disproving it or remediating it, like with like logic and a plan and things like that. And right. Like we can always do the sides on like the emotional stuff, but like you're hitting it from both angles. You're hitting it from the emotional side where it's like, here are like my mantras, like here are the things I believe in. Here's my why. And then you're also hitting the logical side by saying like, okay, like here's this thing. Why am I believing this? Well, if I can mitigate it through this, like I like how you're hitting both kind of angles. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about like the journaling stuff. Is that something you do daily? Like, and, or like, what are some prompts that you have really helped you like in your life? Like when you're journaling in case someone's listening and they want to pick it up, maybe it's a new hobby for the new year or anything like that. Or, uh, what are some, what is like your journaling practice look like overall? And maybe what are some kind of prompts or some exercises that you like to do that's helped you? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. I can get really deep into it, but I, I'm someone who utilizes a journal for multiple different reasons. So I do actually do what I call my five by five method. So it's five minutes every morning, maximum. It doesn't take more than that, but it's writing down five very specific things that I'm grateful for. Um, so like I said, at the very beginning, going back to these really specific things, instead of just saying, I'm grateful for life, it's, I am grateful that yesterday the Utah drivers um, allowed me to get to my climbing gym safely at 6 p.m. even though it was dark. These very specific things, and I make that a joke, the Utah drivers will understand, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but very specific things. And I write down five things in the morning that are very specific to that. Following that, I write down five affirmations. And those who are new to affirmations, an affirmation is not something that you necessarily just want. It's not, I want to do this. It is speaking in a way that is you already existing with the thing that you desire. So I am so great or, or I am so strong and I am able to accomplish my training today or something completely unrelated to training. You know, I am healthy. I, and my body is capable of fighting off my sickness. Um, so many things we can relate it to career wise, family wise, relationship wise. You know, I have a very successful marriage, you know, so many different things, but the, the list goes on, but I do this every morning. So it's five, five by five is my method. And then beyond just my morning routine, I use my journal as just kind of my dump. So whatever I need to get out mm. for the day, if there's something I just need to get out of my brain and organize, I do it that way. That way it gets out. I think a lot of us hold on to so much in our brain. That's what causes anxiety or depression is like we replay these things in our brain over and over and over. It's like this never ending loop that we can't seem to get out of. But sometimes, honestly, it just takes getting that out of your brain, organizing it, thinking about it logically and being able to take the next step forward instead of just continuously spinning round and round and round. Um, So that's how I use journal. I also have a planner because I'm super type A and I like to have things organized. (laughs) Um, But all that exists kind of in the same in the same vein. So is that does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. And that's awesome because I like how you have like the questions that you ask yourself with the five, five, five. And I love how you talk about like the the specificity of the gratitude. I think that is so key, right? Because it's easy to say, I'm grateful for this or this. But it's like when you get super specific it almost like builds that gratitude like even more for even just the small things right because like when you get specific it can be smaller right but like that builds the gratitude for the small things so i love that and i even just love like the brain dump thing like i listen i'm I'm in the same boat like i have like a million things going through my head sometimes and so i can totally see how just getting it out on a piece of paper can just be like good and freeing and just allow you to operate and everything so those are uh, i'm going to be definitely incorporating that in uh in my routine for sure so I appreciate you sharing that, which is amazing. And I'm super grateful for you coming on the show. I'm super grateful for you being you and inspiring so many people to, you know, just uh, live a beautiful life, like you mentioned before. And uh, you you are someone who's doing that through 
through action, through your entire story and everything you're doing in your training, in your life, in your content. And so I'm just super grateful for you, my friend. And before I ask my last question here, anyone who wants to follow along, Amanda, please do. I'll put all the links to her socials in the show notes. I also have the donation link in there as well for the fundraiser she's doing leading up to Leadville. So please donate too if you are able to as well or share it on social media. It goes a long way. And uh, Amanda, for my last question here, I ask every single guest this question on the podcast and the show is called Everyday Ultra. The whole ethos of the show is helping our listeners be better endurance athletes every day. So my question to you is, what can our listeners do every single day to be better endurance athletes? Mm, something that you can do every single day to be a better endurance athlete, in my opinion, is just going back to in- intentionality. So just being intentional with your thoughts, with your actions throughout every day and just being consistent about doing that. So coming back to the everyday moment, the everyday little intentionality things that you can do um, and just being present. Um, and if we're present every single day, it's pretty incredible how our days just continuously move forward and progress in alignment. And it's a, it's really beautiful. So Thank you. I appreciate it for that question. <laughs> yeah, no, and I love that. I, I think you you nailed it so awesomely with intense because again, it relates back to the point that I just love so much that you brought up is like, that's what it takes to really live, right? Because you, mm-hmm. it's easy to go through autopilot or to go through the motions or to do the things that, you know, society thinks or like puts the labels on us to do. But when you show up with intent, that's how you truly live. And Amanda, you've shown up with intent, like just year after year, like, you know, through beating cancer, through, you know, uh, going out and racing in Kona, through the Spartan races, through the mountaineering and you'll be living it up for sure to the fullest uh, when you cross that finish line at Leadville next year, my friend. So I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to follow along your journey. And thank you so much again for coming on the show, my friend. You are incredible and such an inspiration. And it was such an honor having you on. Uh, thanks so much for giving me this space. It was uh, so easy to talk to you. So thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs>